I'm resetting my timer. Okay, so we're in a series called Here's the Thing. We just started this a couple of weeks ago, uh, and the, the title really lets me talk about a lot of stuff. But the sort of major thing kind of running underneath it all is a verse from Romans 14, 17, where Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, what I'm saying to you is that as believers, um, because of His righteousness, we should be experiencing in our lives a measure of peace and joy. Now, you know, not fake, not pretend, and it doesn't mean we don't have to deal with, you know, difficulties and hard things because it's a fallen world, broken planet. There's plenty of those. But deep down inside of us, there, there should be a measure of peace that we're experiencing and a joy because we know, you know, how all this ultimately works out. And when we're not at peace, we're at rest, you know, in our souls, that means something's wrong on our end. And so we need to look at it. And I, I think it's very helpful to know that, that if you'll use that as sort of a cue, uh, you know, something's not right. And I, that's why I like the thing. You know, we said it's usually not the thing that's the problem. It's the thing behind the thing. And that we need to look deeper than just our surface stuff and try and get back to some causes so that we can start uh, allowing God to heal us in those areas so that it doesn't continue. And the more aware of it we are and the more we surrender that to the, the Lord as the Spirit is working in us, I think, you know, the further along we come on our journey. Last week we talked about forgiveness and unforgiveness and, and how that is a big thing behind the thing a lot of times. And it's, it's really behind a lot of things. And I would encourage you if, you, if you weren't here as we talked about that last week, that's one of the ones, I don't say this very often, you should go back and watch um, just so you're kind of aware of, of the significance that forgiveness and unforgiveness plays in our lives. This week, we're going to look at another big thing behind the thing, and we're going to talk about attitude, our attitude, and how important that is in so many ways. So that's where we're headed. Bad joke or two. Oh, I opened the refrigerator the other day, and the, the uh, Smucker's jar uh, dropped out and jammed my toe. I know. Really bad, I know. This one's worse. When I was a kid in the, you know, I grew up in the 60s. I was born in 1960. At the end of the 60s, I was actually out, you know, uh, selling abacuses uh, to make a little money. I was part of the counter culture. You know, hey, when was the last time you heard a good abacus joke? You know what I'm saying? So, some of you are having to explain to the people you're with what an abacus even is. Just slightly before the slide rule. What? Okay, okay. So this guy comes and tells me that he, he and his wife paid $200,000 for a piece of land to build their new house on. I told him that sounded like a lot. I'm done. <laughs> Philippians 4. 4 through 8. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that their master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, 
the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, most of you are probably familiar with that passage at some level. Here's why. Generally, when I teach, I teach out of the NIV. It's a, it's a translation, and I have encouraged you to learn that verse over and over and over again in the NIV. So, you know, you'll, you'll know it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be all evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So normally I have you go over that, and we talk about that all the time. This week, I read it to you in the message paraphrased. Um, because I love this particular passage in, in the way that the author of the, of the message deals with it, and I think it's going to be very helpful. But just so you know the difference, um, a paraphrase of the Bible is when they take the original language and they change it, they paraphrase it into contemporary modern language so that we maybe can understand it a little easier than we might otherwise. A translation um, is uh, uh, the, the scholars doing the best they can to translate word by word from the original language into our language. And, and so it might not read as easy, but, but that's part of the process. Um, if you're going to be talking about doctrine and theology and those things, you need to have a translation that you're working from. But to just sort of read for, you know, maybe some insight or something good, a paraphrase is sometimes very helpful. And the message, I think, is one of the best ones going just for some uh, ways to sort of, uh, you, know, you know, read and sort of take things in and go in that direction. So particularly this passage about attitude, because that's what this passage to me is all about. It's about our attitude. Now, um, it's written by the Apostle Paul. And I think it's interesting that it's written to the church in Philippi, the Philippian church. Because the Philippian church was actually started in prison. It was started in a prison. Most of you know the story, may, may not have made the connection, but if you go back and look in Acts chapter 16, you'll, you'll read an account where in Philippi, Paul is arrested and beaten and thrown into prison. And uh, he's with Silas, and him and Silas are in prison. And around midnight, they start to sing and praise the Lord. And as they do, a great earthquake happens, and all of the cell doors in the prison open up, and all the chains fall off the prisoners um, in, in response to what takes place. And the jailer comes running in, and the jailer's ready to kill himself because he's sure that all of the prisoners have escaped. But everybody is still there in the prison because of the presence of God. They're hanging out. And Paul says, don't worry about it. Everybody's here. And the jailer says, wow, how do I get in on this? And Paul's response is wonderful. He just says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Very powerful encounter. But from that is birthed the church in Philippi. Now, Paul is writing back to them at some point later on in time. And once again, he's in jail. That happens a lot to Paul. Poor guy. Just, he's just doing the right stuff, too. And boom, into jail you go. He's probably been like, really, again? Okay, but... That's how I would be. He's not like that. He's got this amazing attitude. And, and so he's writing to the Philippian church. He's in prison, and he's telling him them the importance of just rejoicing and loving God and, and you know, continuing to press in and on 
And they know that he means it because they know how that church started and what his attitude was like the first time that they knew that he was in prison in the process. And so, you know, with that in mind, as you read through those verses, I just think it's very, very powerful. Uh-oh, I never set my timer. Y'all are in trouble. So, I got nothing holding me back now. Except the next service and that big clock up there. But still. Celebrate God all day, he says. Every day. I mean, revel in Him. See, he, he's saying, listen, this is what you need to do. Just celebrate God for all the things that He's done in your life. For all the amazing movement. You know, and, and you know, just that He's rescued us from darkness into light. That we're now His sons and His daughters. That He's made a way for us to have full and abundant, now and forever life. That He's taken our sin and cast it as far as the east is from the, the west. That we can read His book. We find out how it all ends. There's so many amazing things that we can just celebrate God in. And Paul's saying, look, do that every day. And then he says this. He says, make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Now, that's powerful. You know, the, the, and the NIV, you know, the good, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. But he's saying, look, you, when you encounter people, you need to love them. You, you need to treat them the way you want to be treated. And he says, they need to know that you're on their side. That doesn't mean you agree with all their positions and all the things that they say. It just means that because they're people that God, love, God loves, you're for them the way he is because of this. Help them see that the master, that Jesus is about to arrive and he could show up at any minute. That we need to be aware of the fact that Jesus is coming back and we want people to be involved in that celebration because they've come to know him and they're in relationship with him. That's what he calls us to as people, as believers. And that's why it's so important that we get that and we sort of examine some things in our life. We'll talk more about that particular thing next week. And then he says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Oftentimes, instead of praying, we worry. I want to talk more about that today, so I'm going to leave it there. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers Letting God know your concerns. Just the, uh, the picture that, that's being painted for us in that to me is so helpful and, and how we're to, to move our worries into prayers and, and get them to God. And then before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Peace that passes understanding. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Isn't it? I, I just love that picture. It's wonderful, he says, what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And, and I think if you'll allow yourself there, you'll, that will just resonate with you because you know what that feels like. Because there's been those times when you've been just all stressed out and, and, and suddenly you realize the bigger picture and what's happened and something changes. And that's what Paul's talking about there, what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And then he says, summing it all up, so holding all that in, in tension, he says all these things, you know, celebrating God, loving God, pouring into others, you know, Jesus is coming back, don't, don't get stressed out with worry and everything. He says, here's what I think you should do. I'd say you'll do best by filling your mind and meditating on things true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, Gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Now, again, just something to ponder on for a moment. 
because I, I, how often our minds are bombarded by the mess of the world around us being pumped into us constantly everywhere we turn and all of the negativity that comes with it and all of the stuff that goes on and all of the opinions from every sort of angle and spectrum and, and it just is something that wants to just continually pour into us and the problem that we have is we just keep taking it all in that's what sort of comes out of us in the midst of our lives and Paul's saying look you, you need to you need to be meditating you need to be dwelling on you need to be thinking about these amazing things and the goodness of God and the plans that he has for us and the the you know the adventure that we're called to in the process and so I, I just think that's a great passage of scripture for us to think about there's three things that I want to have, you know, that we can really think about through the week together. Point number one in your notes is this. Be thankful. Be thankful. Verse 4, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. Um, we need to learn to celebrate God in our lives, thanking Him for who He is, for what He's done, for all that we have. If you have uh, been coming here for any length of time, you will know there's a thing I do every service at some point where I tell you guys to be thankful for five things. And encourage two people so you're not in your head's good. And so we can get one lost child today. And people sometimes, why do you constantly do that? I want you to get that. Why? Look, if you learn to be thankful, it will change your life. If, if you switch uh, and, and start your days by being thankful for things instead of immediately starting to worry about stuff or stressing over what you don't have, it will change the way that you go through life. It will change everything about you. And and it, what it changes, I think, it changes us from I have to to I get to. So what do you mean? Well, sometimes people get stuck in thinking, well, I, I, I have to love this person you've put in a life, or I, I have to go to work and deal with these, these challenging people. But when you start being thankful, it's more like, God, thank you so much that I get to love these, this person, these people that you put into my life. Lord, I, I get to work when so many people aren't. And, and, and even though sometimes the people are challenging, Lord, I get to be a light there for you in the process. And, and we, it changes the way that we look things. See, what happens is it changes our focus. And that's so important. Um, because if you're foc focusing on your circumstances, it's just not going to go well with you. And we need to be focusing on the Lord. Best illustration that I can think of for that and you all will know the story, is this. When Peter looked at Jesus, and he didn't look at the waves and the wind, he walked on the water. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and got focused on the other things, he sank like a rock. And I think it's true in our lives. If, if our focus isn't on Jesus, we just kind of sink like rocks. And if we're not celebrating God, what you end up doing is celebrating your problems and when you celebrate your problems, you'll be miserable because they just get magnified in the process. So it starts by being thankful. Secondly, we have to turn our worries into prayers. Verse 6, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. You know, we have talked about this. We will talk about this again because this is a big one in our lives. Um, we're very good we tend to be very good at worrying. Most people are pretty good worriers because they've had a lot of experience and they've, they've done a lot of training in that subject and they spent countless hours worrying about things, developing a science where really you take the amazing creativity that God put in you in your holy imagination and you take it and you take a situation that's hitting you, a circumstance, and you begin to think about 
all of the possible outcomes that it might be and every possible thing you might do to combat each one of those possible outcomes to the point where you've wasted hours thinking about things that will never happen and you're exhausted and you've spent all your emotional bucks and, and you could have been thinking about other things, but there it all went. And, and what we have to learn is that we have to pray. Instead, worry doesn't do anything. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes circumstances sometimes, but prayer always changes me. It always changes us. That's why it's so powerful. And I love that picture in there. Listen, he says, just allow God to help you turn those worries into prayers. So, you know, I would ask you this week to do this little thing. You know, sometimes I'll ask you to do a little thing in the morning as you get ready to go this week. Would, would you just ask the Lord, Lord, would you help me catch myself when I start to worry? And Holy Spirit, would you help me change that into prayer? And, and please, you know, help me catch it as quickly as I can. So I haven't spent hours of the day wasting my time on that stuff. But Lord, help me catch it quick. And, and make that your prayer so that, that he can actually help you. Because you, you, you've trained, self-trained in worry for years. You need the Holy Spirit to retrain you so that you don't spend all that time. Because uh, that's wasted time. That's the enemy's area. He loves to waste your time and your imagination. If he can get you thinking about stuff that it's not going to happen... You're not using your imagination in the things of the kingdom, which is where they need to be focused. So, third, own your attitude. This is a big one. Um, we don't often own our attitudes. Uh, so we don't want to own the things that we think about. We don't want to own the things that we do. Sometimes we don't want to own the, th the way that we feel about situations or people, but we need to. Verse 8, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. See, we need to be thinking about those things. We need to be thinking that way about people. And, and here's the amazing thing about attitude. So you have the ability to choose your attitude. We can choose what we put into our lives. We can choose what we talk about. We can choose what we say. And the most important thing, and this is why it's so life-changing. See, God didn't give us control of our circumstances. We, we don't control where we're born. We don't control, you know, our parents. We, we can't, certainly can't control the world. And, and yet, most of our worry, most of our anxiety, most of the negativity that, that we experience is trying to control circumstances that we can't control. But here's what we do have control over. You have the ability to choose how you respond to your circumstances. And when you get that, that's very empowering. It, because all of a sudden, it, it gives you something you've been looking for and you were looking in the wrong way. You, you can choose how you respond to a circumstance. Let me tell you a quick story. <laughs> I'll wrap it up. So Alice and I, um, you know, we're empty nesters now, which we're pretty big fans of. And... Uh, <laughs> As soon as the kids got out, we downsized into the smallest place we could find so they can't come back. But that's not the issue. <laughs> right, they're not in the room, right? So, anyway, we have a dog and a cat. And we love our animals. Dog's name is Mia. Cat's name is Gibson. They are uh, about the same size, same color markings and everything. They're very similar in that regard. They have pretty much the, an identical life. They live with us in the house, and they, they, everything is pretty much the same um, for the dog and the cat. But let's just look at attitude for a moment. So here's my dog. 
6 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 7 a.m., sat on the patio and watched the sunrise, my favorite thing. 10 a.m., I got petted, it's my favorite thing. 12 o'clock, milk bones, my favorite thing. 1 o'clock, wagged my tail, my favorite thing. 3 o'clock, went for a golf cart ride, my favorite thing. 5 o'clock, dinner, my favorite thing. 7 o'clock, wow, I got to watch TV with the humans, my favorite thing. 10 o'clock, sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. It's my dog, my cat, same life. <laughs> Day 2,983 of my captivity. My captors continue to torment me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine on good food while the other inmate and I are fed some sort of dry nuggets. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. In an attempt to discuss them, I once again vomited on the carpet. Today I decapitated a lizard and dropped his headless body at their feet. I had hoped that this would strike fear into their hearts since this clearly demonstrates my capabilities. I was almost successful in an attempt to assassinate one of my tormentors by weaving around his feet as he was walking. I'm going to do this again tomorrow at the top of the stairs. I, don't, I, I love my cat, so no letters or emails, okay? But <laughs> cat hater, absolutely not. But attitude, see, the way we look at things and the way that we live through these things is everything. So we have to own our attitude. And then, you know, what's happened? When, when we do that and then we decide, you know what, I want a godly attitude and I'm, I want to choose the, to exhibit that attitude in the world around me for the sake of His glory. What happens is, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. So that's an amazing promise. Take that stuff in this week. Pray about that. Ask Him, if nothing else, to help you turn your worries into prayers this week. And remember to be thankful every day for five things, and let him take it from there. Amen? Amen. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over that wall are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group, and then we can have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your love for us and your concern for us and that you want us to live abundant lives in you now and forever. And Lord, so help us to, to just press into this area as well. And Lord, as we yield to your spirit, that not only would we be changed, but we would impact the world around us for you. And that you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. And ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome, awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, let someone pray for you over there. They'll pray for your healing, relationship, problems, finances, situations. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. Humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us. You've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which you'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you have never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. 
best decision you will ever make in your life. If you need help, ask someone over there. I want to know Jesus. You'll know what you mean. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, or thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service, Lord, and for the grief support group tonight and for things throughout the week. You are such an awesome God. Praise God from whom. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayers over there. Breakfast is in the back. As you go, drive safely. Have a great day. In the parking lot, let your gentleness be evident to all. Catch fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye.